What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with another NBA team look ahead. We are on to the New Orleans Pelicans, which means I had to bring on Shemit Dua. He ha- does Pels content for Boot Crew Media. He's a lead writer at Bourbon Street Shots. Um, he's a contributor to WDSU. He's a mod at NBA Reddit. And he's also the co-host of the In the Know pod with Mason Ginsburg. I love that podcast, by the way. Follow them at In the Know Pod, spelled exactly as it sounds. Follow him on Twitter at Fear the Brown, spelled exactly as it sounds. Uh, he does a lot. He's been on the podcast before. I've spoken with him before. He does a great job covering the Pels in the league at large. I'm excited to pick his brain. But Schmidt, the first question that I have to ask, and it's the most important question, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. I've been looking forward to this, and it's always a pleasure to join your show. And Pelicans basketball is back, so I can't be happier. Yeah, and as our listeners know, I'm like obnoxiously high on the Pelicans this year. It's it's probably almost foreboding in how high I am on them, where I should probably be lower just so that something doesn't go wrong karmically there. Um, but to really start, I think it's with just Zion. Is there a sense of just like this exasperated relief that the extension is done, he looks healthy, looks to be in incredible shape. And I think my actual question, though, is do we expect like a slower ramp up for him to start the regular season or is he just going to be full go from day one? Yeah, so I think to answer your first question, there definitely is uh, a sense of relief around the organization and and the fan base that, hey, like all of this, I guess, turbulent stuff in the past is in the past. He's signed for the next five years. There is no player option. He looks fantastic. He played his first game. You know, things are, are back on track. Everyone's saying the right things, doing the right things. And um, there's just a lot of excitement around the team. And and that's that's from all facets, like from, from the city, from the front office to for the coaching staff, the players themselves. So it's always a good good time when 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 that's going on. And and yeah, like as far as a ramp up goes, I think that's fair. I think as with any team their starters are probably going to play limited minutes in the first few preseason games. And as they approach the last one, maybe it simulates what a regular season game might look like. And I think Zion's no exception to that. So the Pelicans have been uh, very cautionary with, with how they handle injuries with anybody. So last night they played their first preseason game. They held out Brandon Ingram uh, for toe soreness. They held out Trey Murphy for foot soreness and, and and these are players who who could have played who if there was a regular season game, but there's you know it's preseason, so why risk it? So the fact that uh, Zion got a regular slate of minutes that all starters got, not more, not less, um, bodes well in in my opinion. That hey, like this guy is restriction free at the moment, and and you know there there hasn't been any talks of them holding him out of like back to backs or anything like that. So yeah, I expect him to ramp up as the preseason progresses, just this is all starters do, but not in a way that's unique or special to him. Just, Hey, he's restriction free. He's going to go, go with the team as they go. One, it's clear that the, uh, the warriors have poisoned my vernacular with ramp up when they kept using it with James Wiseman. It's like tattooed into my brain. That's what I always say now. And maybe it's also because I haven't seen Zion play in forever but he just seemed like he was smiling the whole time. And that was the, I don't watch too much preseason because I don't want to let it like impact too much. I don't want to overreact to preseason, but I will, it'll happen. So I watched most of that game. He seemed like he was smiling the whole time he was on the court and it was just infectious and, and super cool to see, especially because I got exhausted by the way that the Zion stuff was being covered. And that's almost the biggest relief for me from the extension is like, I don't really want to hear about the SGA or the Zion speculation. I do love transactions, but like that stuff really fatigues me. Um, and so that's why I was just, especially when there was no player option, it was just done super quickly. Uh, that's why for me, the way I cover the league, I was just very excited that that like sort of stage of speculation passed at least for now. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. There's only a bit of speculation that remains is what is he actually going to do on the court? Right. And, and to see him out there having fun, uh, I think it's huge because he's gone on record and talked about how difficult of a time he had during his rehab and, and how difficult it was for him to be away from the team. And, you know, for, for any player, much less a 21 year old, uh, that's gotta be a struggle to be away from the game. You love the, your teammates, um, all of that. And not only that, but face constant criticism uh, in the media and, and, to everyone commenting on your weight, your appearance. And every time you step out in a public setting, like, you know, someone snapping a picture of you trying to analyze like what's happened to your body. So that's, that's gotta be an unreasonable amount of stress on, on such a young person. And to see him back on the court, 
uh, free of those stresses, um, you know, or I guess I, I assume those stresses are a lot less than they were in, in the past and free of those pressures, just playing basketball, being himself. Like I think when he, when he dunked it, like he had a huge grin, like, Hey, like I'm back. Like I can do this. Like, this he is what I love. Line. He was just smiling. Me <laughs> yeah, he was like, he's having fun. And I think that's all you can really ask for is like, Hey, like this guy, is an amazing basketball player, but you, you you wish him well as a human. So, you know, if he's having fun, that's that's fantastic. So Zion, the basketball player, what are you looking specifically to see from him in year four, aside from just better availability at this point? Yeah, so, you know, um, I'm not picky. So if he weren't able to replicate any of his offensive success he had uh, prior to last season, I'd be ecstatic. You know, someone who was, Point Zion averaging 27 points a game on 60% shooting. That's he fantastic. Was, he was probably like, I'm sorry to interject, but like maybe like five to 10 more appearances away from just being all NBA that year, right? Because it just. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it came down to like him and like Julius Randle, I think. And, and, uh, the Knicks did really. <laughs> <laughs> we will not speak we will not speak about this Knicks fans will be in my mentions you're not setting me up for this Dan yeah you're right it's a snapshot of one season but you would like to think there's some level of like sustainability in there where it doesn't look like this huge outlier but please carry on I didn't mean to do that, I was just- <laughs> <laughs> but you know um I, I you know I'd be happy if you were able to do that however I don't think that's the bar he's setting for himself right and and uh, certainly he, he wants to be a better player than he was in the past. And with, with the sort of conditioning that he's in the way he's moving right now, at least in the limited, the limited view we had of him in the in last game, it seems like there's a lot more effort he's willing to put forth on defensive end. Uh, he had a chase down block. He had another like help rotation block. He had a couple steals uh, and deflections um, all in like 13 minutes, which is like the most amount of defensive activity I've perhaps ever seen him put forth on the NBA court, which is again, part of the reason why, he, why he was a, like a no brainer. Number one pick was he was a monster on defense at Duke and someone who could just cover large areas of the court, protect the rim, play small ball five if he had to. And, and that Zion has not appeared yet in the NBA and I'm hoping it trends towards that direction this season and, and Willie Green contributes to some of that buy-in. But offensively, I would the the thing I guess I'm looking for is some counters. Uh, I think he is uh, a, one of the most like singular, unstoppable forces in, in terms of getting to the paint. But I would love if he added another like layer to that. So like what I think is like a stop and pop floater, maybe like a, 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 a yeah, like a, like an eight to like. 12 foot shot some somewhere between like somewhere in the paint still taking shots in the paint but like not necessarily at the rim and and you know like I guess you can get a little bit out of the paint but some something that where he doesn't have to go all the way to the rim and when teams give him that space he can just like rise up and drop something in because I think he has the touch uh he went five of five from the free throw line last night Fred Vincent's been putting him work every practice I go to they're off in the corner and they're working. Those two are working on his free throws. So <laughs> it'd be great if he's, you know, like um, uh, a 75% plus or an 80% free throw shooter this year. That'd be fantastic. But I think he can do it. I don't think he needs a three ball. I think he just needs a little like some, some mid-range stuff and not like, you know, like a hezzy pull-up Jimbo. Like he just needs like some floaters, some somewhere where he doesn't have to go all the way to the rim something that's like a drop coverage killer and, and just, you know, a lot of people give him space and he's very good at eating it up because he's so sudden and forceful. He's just going to get to the rim. He hasn't needed a counter, but in case he needs one, that floater would be nice. Yeah. It would make him, his downhill assault just like a lot more unpredictable. Um, And so, yeah, that would be absolutely terrifying to witness. How do you, I think some people have spun the Zion, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram fit as something that could not mesh that well. I don't I, – I guess something could always fail, but I just can't bring myself to care about it. You would ask the great – I think it was you that asked the great question of Brandon Ingram about his focus on off-ball shooting and how he improved that as the year went on last year. And I just look at CJ playing off Dame his entire career, how that shooting kind of naturally translates to maybe spending more time away from the ball. Uh, this just feels like, yeah, there might need to be a grace period, but this feels like the dynamic should should not just work but thrive. Yeah, I don't think CJ is going to be an issue. I mean, that man has played on and off the ball with Dame uh, his whole career. He knows where his skill set is. He can he can move off screens extremely well. He can put the ball on the floor if he needs to. Um, he he's a vet. He he will fit in. And then with Brandon Ingram, uh, something that's really un- underappreciated about Brandon Ingram is that he's been tasked with different roles 
since he's gotten to the Pelicans. So um, initially he was supposed to fit in with Zion. It's going to be Zion's team. Zion got hurt. Brandon Ingram um, took took the team basically like upon his shoulders, his very skinny, slender shoulders, and uh, with Drew Holiday. And he made his first all-star appearance as kind of being a focal point uh, of the offense his first year. The second year, Zion played a lot more games. He had to play more off-ball. He had to, like, really focus on the catch-and-shoot. Was a, um, you know, he put up, uh, I think, I want to say six or seven threes a game. And, you know, he shot, like, right under 40%. It was was a, a pretty solid percentage. And he replicated, essentially, the same stats he had the previous year, but being more of an off-ball player than an on-ball player. And then, again, Zion's out the next year. And, and Ingram has leaned fully into it being an on-ball player and the primary creator of the team, most of the time organizing and orchestrating the offense by himself, playing downhill. His his three-point volume dipped uh, and percentage dipped uh, that season, this previous season, because he was mostly playing in the paint and just trying to get to the rim. And and he's adapted every single time he's come. Uh, he's He's been asked to. And I think adding Zion back is going to force another adaptation because I think Brandon Ingram did take a leap last year as a playmaker. Um, someone who was able to read the help and read offenses a beat quicker than he has been able to in the past. And so uh, adding Zion to that is going to force him to get back a little more to his off ball ways. But I think he's just such a talented basketball player that it's not going to be an issue. And, and when you have the spacing and shooting that CJ provides and the offensive attention that Jonas himself draws, like I think Brandon's going to have a lot easier time attacking defenses because there's they're not going to be able to load up on him singularly. Like like prior to the CJ McCollum trade lineups, they were putting the starting lineup was Devontae Graham, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and Jonas Valanciunas. And surprisingly, you know it was one of the best lineups in terms of net rating. But when you when you look at that lineup, like shot creation is only happening through Brandon Ingram. Like that is the yeah. only place you're getting shot creation. Like Devontae Graham. He's not gonna get to the rim. He's gonna put up a lot of threes. <laughs> but if he gets Josh, to the rim, he's probably not doing anything once he gets there anyway. So. Yeah, Josh Hart blesses you know bless him and in, in his hustle. But like that, that that man's a transition player, uh, an open court player. Like he'll grab a rebound and take it coast to coast. But asking him to create in the half court is is dicey proposition at best. And he's a streaky shooter. Uh, Herb Jones was a rookie, and then Jonas Jonas was a champ. You know, Jonas, they, they 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 asked him to do a lot, and that, that he carried them. You know, that early portion of the season, and I'm. I am excited for him to get a little bit of a break this season. If, if everyone's healthy, he won't have to have quite the offensive load. Josh Hart, first team, all shoots worse from three than you actually think that he does. Um, <laughs> right. Do you think Brandon Ingram then of the, these three like stars uh, has to make the biggest like adaptation to his game of them? And also you mentioned him having to do it in the past. He'd do it with the Lakers too. Like he's playing with Kuzma and Lonzmo and then, then LeBron's there. And then he's traded the Pelicans. So like his career has had like, like I don't know, like five different parts to it already. Which, and then you look at some of the injuries that stalled out his previous seasons, even before he got to New Orleans. Um, so I have confidence in him to be someone who can toggle between now, after watching him the past few years, that primary creator and more of an off-ball player. But do you think that he's the one of these three that probably has to make the the biggest adjustments when they're at full strength and playing together? Yeah, I mean, I think historically he's always been the the player that takes the longest to to sort of come around and, and find his footing in in when when it being introduced to higher usage players. But I just think that a he's grown so much and and b the offensive talent on this team is is so high now that it's not going to be that big of an adjustment. And I think with Willie Green's system that prioritizes just a lot of off ball movement um, in general, like you know players are coming off of screens to get the ball attacking downhill in motion rather than you know going off a standstill um is is going to really like help him because they willie green preaches 0.5 basketball which is shoot pass or dribble uh make that decision in 0.5 of a second which is crazy like that's like extreme requires extremely high processing but you know that's that's the kind of style the warriors um like you know they got he got that from the warriors when he was there he brought it you know they talked about it with the suns when when, when they were there and the suns half court offense is, was, was one of the best it's been one of the best um, the last couple of years. And, and now I think you have a set of players who can make those quick decisions. Like the thing with Zion is he's not a ball stopper. Like everything he does is very quick. If he's going to shoot or attack, like it's going to happen very, very quickly. He's not going to sit there, size up the defense, let them load up and make a decision. Like, so I don't think Zion's introduction is going to be as big of a hurdle as people, people think I do. I do think it will be a hurdle, but like 
this Brandon Ingram was playing with Jackson Hayes at that spot literally right. like four yeah. months ago. Jackson Hayes was that player. And and you telling me I can upgrade Jackson Hayes to Zion Williamson, like I, I just don't think there's gonna be an issue. <laughs> the CJ extension, the number is I think people still get sticker shock. Age 33, age 34, CJ, with how his game should age. He, I think I did the math. He's never going to account for more than like 22% of the cap. That is perfectly fine. They were not under any like pressure or obligation, though, to do this extension now. Were you a little bit surprised that the investment in him and maybe even Nance, even though that deal is going to end up just – that was highway robbery. Larry Nance Jr. is one of my favorite players in the league. Um, but, like, Were you surprised, though, that they sort of reinvested in this core before seeing it in action in, in full together with Zion? No. Because one, this is never going to be a cap space team with Zion and Brandon Ingram on the books. They're they're just going to occupy those two max slots and they'll never be a cap space team. Two, when they are a cap space team, which we saw what happened last year, everybody turns down their money. Like a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry did not want $120 million. Chris Paul did not want their money. Tim Hardaway Jr. did not want their money. Everybody turns down their money, right? So cap space does not matter. Um, so there's, there's no leave anymore was the other thing I pointed out on Twitter. If maybe if you think in the new CBA, that's going to change or the cap spike invites more of a free agency bonanza, but you just point out no one's taking their money away, but like stars, they extend and get traded. Like that's just exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so, so a place like new Orleans already has a difficult time attracting that kind of talent. So when you've got talent, when you've got talent, like CJ McCollum, you want to keep them in the building. And then you have enough picks and assets down the line to make trades if you need to. If you want to get rid of those contracts, it's not going to be that difficult. Like you said, like the percentage he, he occupies on the cap isn't isn't astronomical. Like it's not a Russell Westbrook. It's not a it's not a John Wall. Um and it's never even going to hit that monetary number. I mean, those guys are at 47 million, even with with raises and stuff. Like CJ never going to exceed 33 million. Um, so there's that too. There's this level of legitimacy that CJ McCollum has brought to the organization that they were desperately seeking and did not have. That kind of leadership, that vocal outward presence, both on the court, off the court, they've tried to replicate that with with, with JJ Redick. That was a failed experiment because he was like 37 years old and got on people's nerves pretty quickly. Um, they try to they try to bring Sam Van Gundy to be a, a vocal person, and that was a monstrous failure. Um, Steven Adams, same same sort of concept, but like none of these players have the cachet that that CJ McCollum has, right? They 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 don't carry that that aura of of respect um, that CJ McCollum. Like when he walks in the room, this is the president of the players union. You know, he knows um, he knows the in and out of the league from like every angle. He knows what it's like to be a player at a high level. He knows what it's like to come off the bench. You know, his early years, like he's been there. He's played every role. And so to have that kind of leadership presence, someone that they were willing to pay hundreds, like a hundred plus million dollars to in the form of Kyle Lowry, in the form of Chris Paul, like you, they got a younger version of that in, in CJ McCollum. And, and, you know, like it's no secret he's not as impactful as those players, but he is younger than them. And by the time his contract like reaches his contract extension reaches its finality he's still going to be younger than when they were willing to offer chris paul and 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 kyle lowry that money he's going to be 34 and those guys were 35 36 like it's it's not you know the age is not that big of a deal and i think his game is also one that ages pretty pretty um uh pretty well because he doesn't rely a lot of on athleticism it's centered primarily around his shot making and shooting and and his craft and his, his his uh shiftiness and so you know, perhaps he sees a sharp decline in shooting at some point, you know, cross that bridge when it comes. But I think it won't be difficult to transition him if his production uh, drops in, in a significant way to someone that is a six man type player or, you know, a, um, I guess a, a faux starter that that starts but doesn't close games. Like, I don't think that is a difficult thing. And someone like CJ uh, willing to do that is also another, like, I guess, organizational asset because you'd be like dude this is cj mccullum he's willing to sacrifice like everyone else should be willing to sacrifice so i think just if it was like you know if if it was a player who who was a young player and they like knew like hey like we want more money we want more shots we want a bigger role um it'd be one thing uh and you know you have to invest in talent if you're this kind of market anyway but with cj mccullum like he knows who he is he knows he knows what he brings to the table. And and I think just this team in particular needing that kind of presence, that kind of voice, um, I think it was a really good match for both. And I was excited that they 
A, like it was the numbers that that they got him at. Uh, yeah. I, I expected it to be something like two years seventy. I didn't expect it to be a declining um, number, and and the fact that it wasn't more than two years, I think, is is another big win. So I'm not I'm not at all concerned about that. You know what it's going to do to the cap space or or anything like that. I think I think it's going to be great. My initial reaction was the number didn't take me back at all, but I was like, oh, with two full years left on his deal. It was weird that this happened now, but the two points that I hung on to, aside from I just I believe in this team, was Zion must really like him. And the way that stuff blew over after CJ said he hadn't talked to Zion yet because of the way CJ handled it, like that's exactly what this team needs. And then also, as you mentioned, like now you don't have to, the extension's not longer. Like if you had waited till next summer, how far is that extension going out? Is it going a year later? Um, I was still just a little bit, I guess, again, two full years left on his deal. I was just kind of surprised that it got done. Well, there's this other thing, and it's not like CJ's been able to like draw free agents to Portland or anything, but there's this other thing where like players around the league really respect him. Like this year, when the Kevin Durant drama was going on, like New Orleans was considered a suitor. It was in the conversations. Why? Because of like the respect they had built over this past year uh, in terms of the success they had in the playoffs and the assets that they had. And CJ was a big part of like creating that success and him getting on TV being a vocal advocate for this team, literally every single chance that he gets is, I don't think that stuff can be um, under understated because I, there's a lot of teams that I could tell you would love to have a player of his caliber on national TV, on podcasts, um, you know, in, in, in the media, like just putting on the cape for them, like the way he does. And, and it doesn't have to be a hundred percent genuine. He could go off TV and like tell his like, you know, close friends, like I fucking hate this place. But it doesn't matter. It, like the like how he really feels doesn't matter because of what he's doing in the right. public space. And and I do think, for the record, like he genuinely like wants to be here and, and enjoys the team and, and everything that comes with it. I don't think it's one of those like ah, I'm just being a good soldier type of things. But he knows the business. Like he oh, he yeah. knows what he has to do. So is there an actual battle for the fifth starting spot, or is it okay that I have this tattoo on the back of my neck that says Herb Jones starter 2022-2023? Oh yeah, yeah, that tattoo is gonna be safe unless there's like some catastrophic injury, <laughs> which which knock on wood, you know, no one's no one's open for. I I, I don't think you have to worry about uh, Herb Jones uh, losing his starting spot. That you know he made a two threes uh, last night. Hopefully his shot keeps improving. He's um was a a, a decent you know I don't want to say good. I want to say bad. Uh, what was he like around 36 percent last year? Like thirty five point. It was between thirty five and thirty six, which is just like it's not great, but it's. It's fine. If he could maintain that on like five or six attempts a game, I think that would really help out this team in the half court. Yeah, it's just I think, you know, seeing seeing a volume bump uh, would be nice on on those threes. Uh, just just so defenses are honest. And then um, I think what they see internally is more <clears throat> increased responsibilities on the ball, just uh, grabbing and going off of rebounds, just initiating offense because if he's on the ball, then someone has to account for him. And then that opens up uh, lanes and, and, you know, spacing for other players. So, yeah, I think, I think he's going to start and I'm hoping for a big year from him. He was better too on drives and going downhill in general uh, last year than I even remember. And so like, that's big, especially if they're going to have lineups out there that have more space, whether it's getting out in transition or in the half court, if he's just able to pump out of a three and drive, like maybe he can learn that from Jonas at this point. Um, <laughs> So he, I don't, and he can't get better on defense at this point. Like, what does a better version of Herb Jones on defense even look like? Um, it looks like pain for a lot of people in the league. <laughs> it looks like people coming into New Orleans and being like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" <laughs> like, you gotta go against Herb Jones. I mean, they've got to already be having. They, are, I think they already do. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, Herb's going to the bench. Who's up there? Oh, God, it's Jose. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the, uh, some, of the, some of the lineups on this team are gonna wreck lives. But Trey Murphy. I'm fascinated by him. He was so good to close the year, and then he really had some big-time playoff moments for them. Uh, what are you looking to see from him in year two, and is this someone who's going to play like a, a prominent role off the bench for them this year? I'm a huge Trey Murphy fan. Uh, have been from the draft, and that's that's my guy. Like the Trey, Trey is is awesome, and I I think and this is an unpopular opinion, but like I, I think it's not long until Trey surpasses Herb. Uh, as as someone who you really have to consider starting um and just like an overall skill set and just impact because one i think he's going to be one of the league's like 10 best shooters um two uh being six nine six ten and and being able to 
defend multiple positions and play multiple positions offensively allows them to plug him in anywhere. And so I think this is a big year for him to sort of showcase those skills, especially with Zion um, drawing all the attention that he draws. Like the, when you, when you think about how do we build a team around Zion? Well, a six, nine elite shooter that can play defense is, is kind of the exact player you need. And, and so you know, I, it, it was unfortunate he didn't get to play the the last game here because of uh, of some foot soreness. And you know, the, like I said, the Pelicans are pretty cautionary with with uh, how they handle this stuff. And I hope, um, you know, I, I hope that doesn't like bother him in the future. But this, what what I would like to see from him is uh, a uh, now that he's going to be on opposing scouting reports and they're probably going to chase him off the line, uh, off the three point line. What 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 do you have? What can you do when they when they chase you off that line? Are you going to be someone who um, becomes someone who, who can't, doesn't really impact the game, or are you going to be someone who can like put the ball on the floor and just like dunk it on someone because he doesn't need many dribbles. He needs like one, maybe two dribbles to get to the rim. Is he going to be able to make decisions off of closeouts? Um, that kind of stuff. And I think I would love to see more added like on ball responsibility. We'll see, you know, wh- where. Um, the Pelicans go in that developmental direction. But I think the the biggest thing is like when you have guys like Duncan Robinson, like, yeah, in the regular season, they'll get their shots off, right? Um, being a movement shooter or being elite shooters, yeah, they'll get their shots off. But in the playoffs, when they lock you down and you're not getting your shots off, what else do you do? And I'm really excited to tri- for Trey to showcase his skills in that area because I really do think, A, like he he has enough on-ball equity to like – to, to, to do some dangerous stuff downhill with his athleticism. B, I think you can use him as a traditional big man. Like, I think, like, what I mean by that is, like, I think you can do a pick and roll with him and use him as a roller, and he will be a lot better. I mean, he's 6'10". He's the same size as John Collins, and, yeah, and he has an elite vertical. Zion, then, as the ball handler. Let's That's what I'm else. saying. And then, then with Trey, okay, you have Trey send the screen, and you don't want to use him as a roller. Use him as a popper. Like, like he, he can – a pick and pop is, like, easy, easy basketball, basic basketball, and you do that with him and Zion, they're either going to have to switch – which like I guess they're like sized and and so like maybe the switch doesn't matter but like Zion's gonna punish any switch and you know if they're gonna be too too slow for him or, or or too small for him or both um and and if you have Trey drawing all this attention off like you clear out one side of the court and you just run like a basic like two man game with them like you have to respect Trey shooting and and I'm just excited for 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 those kind of like small games to develop between him and, and the other stars. Yeah, I am curious to see how his offensive development comes along because I almost wonder if there is sometimes a danger of like younger players that have more skills to plumb when they're already on teams that are so entrenched and you have this hierarchy of Zion and CJ and Brandon Ingram and if Devontae Graham is going to factor into the full view of Jonas um, that they're not going to be as inclined to like just explore the depths of his offense but I think it's there like you said there was even it might have been like the only step back jumper he hit all of last year but it was the game I was watching and I'm just like this guy looks just so fluid doing all sorts of different things i'm with you i think he's going to be really ridiculously good and this probably isn't a hot take but he feels like their best non-big three or big four player long term just by looking at the the skeleton of of his game what we saw again specifically the second half of last year and then some of those playoff moments i'm a big believer i I think it's all there it's just a matter of time dyson daniels uh, any sense of whether he's going to get a shot to crack the rotation regularly as a rookie? And w- like, what does he need to do? Is it just about, oh, the offensive fit isn't complicated with him on the floor? Because you build lineups in your head where it's like, oh, if we put Herb and Jose and Dyson Daniels on the court at the same time, does anyone ever score ever again? Including the Pelicans. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, everything I heard throughout the summer and through through training camp was like Dyson looks really good and he's probably going to get minutes sooner than people think. Um, Willie green is a big fan of players who play defense and Dyson is already looking like he's going to be one of the most problematic defenders uh, for opposing players uh, for quite some time. Last night he was matched up against Zach Levine and he was sliding his feet so effortlessly and I, and not only that, like his help rotations, like he seemed to be aware of like, okay, this is my, where I need to rotate. He got like a one help block on Vucevic, which is pretty, like pretty impressive. And, and I know he's big, like, you know, six, seven, six, eight, but like, just as a rookie to like, like recognize, okay, this is the action that's happening, diagnose it. And then like, realize I, this is my rotation. I'm going to come, come here and block the shot. Uh, it's, it's, it's you love to see it. You know, he led the team in deflections last night. He had three steals, two blocks. Like it's just stuff, 
stuff, you know, and he rebounds the ball. So he he does all of that stuff. The question mark with him is like, how is his offensive game going to progress? And I think from a playmaking standpoint, like it's it's there. He clearly sees the floor well, and and the more opportunities he has to play with talented offensive players, like that area is really going to shine. But I think is his finishing at the rim is is going to be a question mark early, and then his shooting is probably going to be hit or miss. Uh, but he's another one of those Fred Vincent projects, and, and we'll 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 see. Uh, I'm just going to assume he gets to 38 percent at some point because Fred Vincent's there. It's just that's where we're at. That's I have Ushman Jang penciled in for that eventually. You know, KC with Chip Angland now with the Thunder. That I'm that's the level of. Like you have those guys, that's just what you assume at this point. Yeah, I mean that's certainly the bet the Pelicans made, right? They're like, this guy can do literally everything else. We just got to teach him to shoot. Oh, who do we have? We have Fred Vincent who teaches people how to shoot, and so that's that's the bet that they're making. And and we'll see how long um, it, it takes before he's a consistent shooter. If he's a consistent shooter, I'm watching him in practice, and and it certainly seems like they have him on that Lonzo Ball progression of like, like changing his mechanics, like working on his release point, working on his, his release speed and simplifying things. And, and his release looks great, man. Like I think the only thing is like, maybe it needs to be a little bit faster, but it looks, it looks smooth. He doesn't hesitate like off the catch and shoot. Um, I, I it might be one of those things where it's only a, a matter of time for him, but as far as him cracking the rotation, the Pelicans are so deep right now in terms of, and I, I don't want to say like they have like you know like a, a ton of talent, but they have enough players that like deserve NBA minutes. And and Eric I, Temple's and really, not one of them though. I just like Eric <laughs> Temple is not one of them, and he <laughs> like was leading the Pelicans in minutes played last night for like three fourths of the game. Um, Did he? Which, I didn't even know, realize that. My God. Oh my God. Pretty yeah. Well, I mean, that. part of it was like Trey didn't play, Brandon didn't play, and Herb didn't play after this in the first half because he got like hit in the rib or something. Um, but and his cardio you know, now, he won't get it during the regular season. That's the rationale. <laughs> I, I hope so. But I, Willie Green is definitely one of those coaches who makes the rookies like earn earn their minutes. Like they're, you're not handed anything just because of of who you are or where you drafted. And uh, I, I think also like internally, like the Pelicans wouldn't mind you know if if Devonte Graham had a bounce back season, if Jackson Hayes continues to to be better because that's better for them. A like on the court, B like for trade purposes. So I think. Uh, the bench as it is right now, it's probably Jose, Devante, um, Trey, Jackson, and Larry Nance. Like those are your first five off the bench in some capacity. And I'm sure they're going to stagger units and stagger lineups. So some of those players might be squeezed. And I'm specifically looking at Jackson. I think Jackson's probably going to get squeezed um, a little bit because Zion's going to take some of those bench minutes. And, and you know, you always got to give Jonas minutes. Um and and I think you know one of those guards might get squeezed. Whoever's uh, having an off night, whether it's Devonte or Jose, and and so I think Dyson does crack the rotation eventually. It might take an injury or two to get there. Um, it might take a trade or two to get there. But I think to start the year, they will give their like last year's players, or, like their returners, um, a fair shot. The next two questions step on the toes of what you just said. Uh, you have Larry Nance Jr., Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas. Factor in some like Herb or Trey at the four minutes. Where does Jackson phase, uh, Jackson Hayes, excuse me, fit into all this, both in the short and long term? Yeah, uh, that is a question he's probably asking himself, he and his agent, because he is up for a contract. Actually, he's up for an extension, and they have until the first day of the regular season to secure that extension. And if, obviously, if that's not secured, then he will go into restricted free agency. Um, this coming summer. And so Jackson Hayes, if he continues to play the way he did last night, which is to hustle uh, on the boards, hustle and on the open court, just kind of create chaos, um, be the athletic freak that he is. He deserves minutes and he will get, he will get minutes because he is just an absurdly efficient player at the rim and as such a huge catch radius. Um, he does things that like my brain doesn't comprehend sometimes in terms of like what he's <laughs> capable of athletically. Uh, so that player is useful and he, and he showed the flash last year um, ability to switch out in the perimeter and contain guards and even navigate some screens out there. So I, I like that version of Jackson. My ideal version of Jackson is like just let him be like Rashad Lewis or Channing Fry. In addition to all that, just let him jack up like five, six threes oh, a game. Wow. Okay, yeah, like you know, honestly, if he wants a role, like he's gotta he's gotta define it somehow. And, and the way he does it on this team is to provide shooting. And and 
they say, you know, they've said for like the last two years, like, oh, his shot looks nice. His shot looks nice. He has great touch. Like he's been working on it. So like, let him showcase it. Like let him, let him shoot five or six. If he hits 33% of those, 34% of those people will think he's the next Miles Turner. Cause that's what Miles Turner shoots like 34%. And, and, you know, like that's, that's all he needs to do. And if he hits that, but he needs the volume. Like if he shoot like two or like one, every three games, like hitting 34% is like, yeah, like who cares? But if you shoot five a game and you hit 34%, you're like, well, some night that guy's going to hit three threes or four threes. And, and, and when that happens, like your, your variance just goes up. And, and when that happens, he will get everything he wants at the rim, which is what he's good at. I can confess. I did not realize he shot very low volume, 35.1% on threes last year. I think it was 20 of 57. That is, I didn't, I, that did not even register with me. Can't even lie. And fib there. And I guess that's kind of mission critical to him sticking then, though, just because it doesn't seem like they would view him as a primary big necessarily. And like a lot of the lineups they would build, you're not going to flesh them out so specifically where you just surround him with all the shooting so he can rampage his way towards the basket. And so it feels like if he wants to stick with this team or even not get sort of squeezed out of the rotation, that's a shot that needs to not just come up in volume, but he probably needs to hit in a semi-consistent clip. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that just bodes well for him in his future in the league period. Like no matter what team he's on, yeah, he can be a rolling cutting five, but I don't think he's ever going to be a plus rebounder. I don't think ever he's going to like be able to defend the behemoths of the league. So like, do you want to be a rolling cutting five? There'll be a role for you. Like, I think there will absolutely be like, you know, JaVale McGee's still in the league and has now earned a starting spot. So like he will, you know, I think. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just, I had to slip that in there. You know, so there'll, there'll be a, you know, a role for him and then he can get like really good in that role. And, and, but it depends on his guard play too. Like if he has dynamic guards that enable him to, to be like the best version of the pick and roll man, he is sure. But what will make him from being, you know, like your, 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 I guess, exception level player, whether it's like one of the smaller exceptions to, the mid-level exception to being like a 15 to $20 million player. It's the threes. Like if you, if you shoot five threes a game and shoot 34%, you're getting 20 million next year. Like, I don't know, maybe not 20 million, but you're going to get a lot more than, 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 I mean, no, you're not wrong. And especially with the progress he showed defensively, being able to trust him defensively more in that four role than the five role is almost impressive when you look at just his size and the way that he's built. So yeah, if he shot, if he takes 153s this year and it's a bit like a 34% cliff, you're absolutely right. He would get paid, two syllable paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he won't get twenty million, but what like what like Mo Bamba didn't get much this year, but he got he got like two years, twenty million, twenty two million, twenty one million, I think, right? So he got like eleven million a year, slightly above like mid level money, but just like right around mid level. Like I think if he was Jackson A's a free agency right now, he wouldn't sniff mid level money. Like I don't think any team is is like coming like, hey, we'll offer you four years, forty five million. Like no right. one's doing that, right? Well, not when they can get Andre Drummond and like Dwight Howard to do all the dirty work for like two and a half million dollars at the league minimum uh and so so for jackson hayes to like reach like those those um dollar amounts even to like get the maxi cleaver money like he's how how do you separate yourself outside of being an athlete and i think it's it's shooting you've sort of already answered this but i think it's harder especially because neither one of them is starting is there room for Devonte graham and jose alvarado in the same rotation nightly or like you said before do you think it's gonna be more matchup dependent or maybe more um, it might even seem more just contingent upon how is Devontae Graham playing? Because when you're looking at the way the bench is set up, you can stagger your stars and you should as the Pelicans, they will. But he's like more of the traditional come off the bench. And if you want someone to create, um, he would make more sense in that role. But he had such a down year last season. So is this something that's going to be matchup dependent or are they both going to factor into the rotation each night? It just, it's all, they don't have a log jam, but just because both of them are coming off the bench, it's just a little weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably try to play them together uh, initially. If it's a disaster, they'll move on. If it's like Willie Green definitely rides the hot hand a little bit. And so um, sometimes he can be very like results oriented. And so if, if Jose is just being a particular pest that night, which he always is, um, maybe Jose will, will get more minutes and they'll try someone else. But I think it's going to be one of those things where if Devante's hot, he's like, he's playing. Like as long as he's hot, they're going to, they're going to ride that wave and, and they'll give him enough opportunities to fail. I don't think it's going to be like, like a quick hook with him. Um, 
Willie Willie has a, a really good relationship with his vets to a fault uh, at times. <clears throat> Garrett Temple, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> to Garrett Temple averaging twenty two minutes per game by by mid December. Um, so I think a lot. Kyra Lewis Jr. exists. So let's make that clear. Coming back from the ACL injury, does he like? He hasn't been cleared for five on five yet. I don't think they've talked a lot about his speed. But what is like? How do you even? Is there even a, a scenario in which you can juggle his development with this roster now? I guess there's a lot of G League he could play, and now it doesn't seem like an issue because it's very out of sight, out of mind. But like this kid was supposed to be good. He's a former lottery pick. He's super fast with the ball. Um, what do you envision happening with him, both short term and long term, once he is fully healthy? Man, I feel so bad for Kyra. Um, you know, I think he was like really hitting the stride before he got hurt. He is someone that possess I don't, I don't know what it looks like post injury, you know, but he is someone that possesses an outlier trait, uh, which is his speed, you know, his, his, his zero to 60 is, is insane. And especially in the full court. Um, but I think where, where the league is trending hurts him. Uh, the league okay. is trending away from small guards and he is a small guard and, and especially small guards who cannot shoot. And so, I think the jury's out on if he can or can't shoot because there just isn't a sample size on that uh, with him. But that's going to be something that, you know, takes him from being a, a, a third string backup to like a solid backup or if not starter, I think is his, is his shooting uh, ability. And so I think he, you know, there is like a world where he turns into like a Dennis Schroeder type offensive player where his shot isn't there, but he can still be impactful. But as you can see with Schroeder, there's like a limit to how far you can go with that archetype of flair. And 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 I certainly think from like a, a locker room standpoint and a mental standpoint, he's like in a much better space than, than where Schroeder is. And uh, I would argue he's a, he has a better court vision too. Um, but just there's a limit to what that archetype can accomplish. And so mm-hmm. I think... I think for him, his future really hinges upon on how well he's going to be able to shoot. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean from three, if he can get like a good mid range too, like that, that'll be helpful. Cause I think some with like with John wall, a lot of his best years came when he had like really good years from the mid range. And, and when you have like, like I was saying with Zion earlier, when you have this like otherworldly ability to get to the rim, you just need small stuff that makes it easier for you. You don't need the whole, like you don't need a dribble, dribble, step back three every single time. Like James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need small stuff and get good at the small stuff. Like Chris Paul at, at his age, like part of the reason he's so successful is because he is like the league's best mid range shooter. And he has been for the last 15 years. And, um, but he wasn't that when he got into the league, that wasn't his game, you know, and, and he slowly developed it over time. And, and I hope, you know, Kyra develops some somewhat of, of, uh, either a mid range game or something from three, something off the dribble where he can consistently get to, um, that opens up his, his driving lanes. And, and, you know, that's, that's my hope for him, but yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know where they're going to fit him in this season. It's definitely not, an open spot at the moment, especially because if, if they think Dyson's going to slide into some of those guard minutes too. Yeah. I've, I mean, I'll ask you about the 10 man rotation in a second, but building that is, is hellaciously difficult. Um, <laughs> but so this setup is more for the listeners benefit. You might not know this. Cause I'm sure you've cited these exact stats, but after the Pelicans are three and 16, they end up being 14th in points allowed per possession outside garbage time. They had the best or second best transition defense in the league. At that point, they forced turnovers, dominated the glass, are they still built to have that defensive identity? And how good can this team, when you look at the sum of its parts, actually be defensively this year? Well, can Herb Jones guard everybody? <laughs> well, yes, no, maybe. Who knows? On the bright side, when they play Chris Paul, Jose Alvarado is totally like he'll be able to handle that. It's totally cool. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I'm a little more optimistic on them defensively than than most people because of two reasons. One, I think they will, uh, I think they will capitalize on the low hanging fruit a little bit. So what I mean by that is I think they will be one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the league. Uh, they have been with or without Zion. And I think it, they will be with, with Zion as well. So there's step number one, if you're a good defensive rebounding team, not allowing the second chance points is will, will help them on their defensive position Two, I think because they're such they're going to be an offensive rebounding superpower. They were last year. They were the re- the year before. And again, adding Zion to that, who is 
the best owned rebounder in the league. Um, perhaps has the best second jump in the league. Like they are going to be an like offensive third runner. and fourth jump somehow. His second jump is yeah. <laughs> right. So, so I, I think that they are going to be um, an offensive rebounding superpower, which is going to impact opposing teams transition games. And, and they were one of the better uh, transition defensives in the league last year. Um, I, I totally cannot remember the stat off the top of my head, but I, I, I could have sworn they were top 10 in, in transition defense last year, at least, you know, past that, that date um, when, when Herb Jones became a starter. They were, according to Cleveland Glass, they were one or two, depending on the category you use after that three and 16 start. So that, exactly. I think that might comfortably be top 10. Yeah. So, so they were one of the best transition defensive teams. And I think a lot of that does have to do with, with how good they are on the offensive glass, but a lot of that is is the like the defensive discipline that uh, Willie Green has instilled. Whatever whatever he said to them, whatever rules he's put in place in terms of who's supposed to leak out and get back, you know, when when the shot's above the break or whatever it is, like whatever rules he's put in works for them. And I, I don't see that slipping. And and the second thing is like if Zion is going to give us any semblance of effort that he gave like last night in a preseason game, like that alleviates a lot more of my concerns because that was the thing with Brandon Ingram going into last year is like, which Brandon Ingram are we getting? Are we getting the one that the Lakers fans like, like loved and talked about? Like this guy, like, you know, is, is someone that's going to be like a problem defensively, or are we getting the one that we got with the Pelicans who just was disinterested in, in playing defense? And, and it was similar to, to what happened with Zion last night. The first preseason game of last year, Brandon Ingram like came out and had like four deflections like right out the gate and like a block or something, and we're like, oh, he's realizing this guy. He has a seven three wingspan. He just has to put his arms out for the most part, and he's gonna like create problems in the passing lanes. And and so I don't think Brandon Ingram was like an elite defender or anything last year, but I think he was good enough. Like he put in enough effort uh, to where like him being as big as he is and 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 the, and the length that he has allowed the Pelicans to be okay defensively. Like they did, they didn't hurt while he was on the floor. And I think if we can get the same kind of effort and with, with Zion, um, there's going to be less issues because I do think the bench is going to be a lot better defensively, especially when they start incorporating Larry, Trey, even Jackson and Jose. Like, you know, once, once those guys start playing, like I think the Pelicans bench units are, I hope they're going to just demolish opposing benches. Like just, just, like off their defense. Like my goal for them is to generate a ton of events like steals and blocks and then just play fast in the open court and try to play the least amount of half court as possible. And I think they have the personnel to do that. The efficiency on their offense could skyrocket just because if they're really going to enforce like those take fouls this year, like you're going to get a lot of opportunities at free throws with the amount of time they're in transition. And I think you were one of the people that mentioned this. If you're a team that's going to generate steals and the Pelicans were, I think they were seventh last year in steals per 100. Uh, that's going to benefit your offense now too, with the way that the officiating is supposed to change. And so there could be, I mean, like now you're adding Dyson Daniels to a team that already had Herm Jones in there, like in brand area, like that's not fair. Yeah, um, man, I'm, I'm excited for them to, to hopefully put all that together. Are there any underrated or under talked about strengths or weaknesses of this team uh, entering the regular season? That's a good question. I think um, one thing that isn't going that doesn't hasn't gotten much attention is this is going to be a team that lives at the free throw line, uh, and and that's going to be in large part due to Zion, but it's also going to be in large part due to the fact that they they score like ten million points in the paint a game. Like they they just live in the paint. This is not a team that takes a high volume of threes, though I wish they would at times, especially when they're losing games. Um, that's that's a I wonder if that's a philosophical change they'll make this this year is, is attempt more threes. But um, because of the force they play with, they're they're going to be a team that just lives at the free throw line. And I think we're gonna see a lot of instances where Zion just like puts them in the bonus like very early. And you have guys like 30 seconds left in the first quarter and they're just in the bonus. <laughs> Right. And then you have guys like Jonas and BI and, and, and even CJ who, who benefit from that um, when the next shift comes in. And so um, I, I think that was something they were really good at to like understand Man Gundy. Uh, and it was because of Zion. And I think that's something that's going to happen again uh, this year. Are there any like specific weaknesses that are standing out more than most that you're, you're watching for as the season begins? Yeah, I think I think just we, I touched on it a little bit. I think they're still a questionable shooting team at best. Um, they they don't rely on uh, three point shooting, and I think you just need to introduce enough volume to where 
when some of these games get out of hand, it becomes a math problem and you can't win games when the opponent has made 18 threes and you've made nine. Right. And, 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 and that's because you've taken 20 and they've taken 40 and, and it's like, okay, well nine out of 20, that's a great percentage. That's 45%. But like you've only made nine. And, and, and when you're continually at a, at a deficit from three, um, it becomes an uphill battle. I mean, I, I think they're going to be one of the like the most uh, offensively potent teams in terms of points per possession, just because of their offensive rebounding and points in the paint. But there are games where that require you to take threes, that require you to take more threes than you're probably comfortable with. I would like to see Brandon Ingram get back to six or seven attempts a game. I want to see CJ around nine or ten. Um, I, I do. I mean, especially if he's playing with with Zion, I want I right. want like eight of those to be like catch and shoot. Um, you know, I would love to see Trey like push in 10 attempts. Uh, obviously he's coming off the bench. He's probably not going to get 10, but I would love that. You know, if Trey can get 10 attempts, like you want your best shooters taking that Devonte, I'm fine taking six or seven attempts. Like he's going to be your X factor. Like maybe he gets six bricks, but there's going to be some nights where he hits five of those. Um, and so the, I just want them to embrace the, the variance that comes with three point shooting, especially when they need it in some games. Um, and then, and then I think, defense again like you said it's going to be a question i'm curious to see what happens when teams space them out and start isolating some of uh their weaker defenders i'm curious yeah. to see what happens there isn't a ton of traditional rim protection on this team a lot of their rim protection is predicated on perimeter defense and preventing um rim looks which they didn't do a fantastic job of last year i think if you look at their defensive shot profile like they were not great when it came to, to rim and three um, uh, looks given up, but they got better. Uh, obviously, as, as Herb Jones started, they got better across as the year went on, but they weren't fantastic. And, and that's an area where it's like, I would like them to prioritize limiting three-point looks and limiting looks at the rim. And I don't care about like if you're giving up higher percentage looks in order to accomplish that. It's a volume game for me, and I would like to limit the volume of high percentage looks uh, or efficient looks as possible. Looking at their 10-man rotation, it does feel like they're deep, but it feels like there are just nine locks. When you have CJ, um, B.I., Herb, Zion, Jonas, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, Devontae Graham, Larry Nance. So would you agree that all those players are locks? And then who would you give, as of right now, if you were to pick um, that like 10th and final spot to? If I was in charge, it would go to Dyson. But I'm not in charge, and and I suspect it will go to Jackson Hayes, and and I think it's not fair. Like, Temple, to be fair, though. So that's oh my god, <laughs> please no. Somehow they're gonna dig up like Tony Snell or, or Gary Clark, and they're gonna get these minutes. Where's <laughs> like, Trey Murphy? I don't know, but here's Tony Snell. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. But um, yeah, I think it's gonna be Jackson Hayes, and and I'm not upset at that by any means. I think I think. Uh, I think he's earned the opportunity to showcase what he has and he's earned the opportunity to prove them wrong. Right. Right. Like give him minutes, allow him to fail. And if he's not good, cool. Then you have options. But um, yeah, it, you know, it puts Dyson in, in an odd situation. He's 11th man. It puts uh Euro basket MVP, uh, Billy Hernan Gomez in, in, in a weird situation. And that man is efficient. That guy is really effective. Every time he gets minute, he's like a permanent monster. And it's like, yeah, I wish, I wish they had the space to give him, a bigger role. I mean, he, he's a limited player. He is what he is, but you know, really fun guy. This is to some extent matchup dependent, but I also think it's a fascinating question for this team. What would be your go-to crunch time lineup here? And if it's just the starting five, where do you see the biggest potential for them to, to futz and fiddle? Man, that's a great question. Um, my go-to closing lineup, and this will never happen because it's Willie Green and and I, I say this because like I, I don't want people to like assume I don't like Willie Green. I love Willie Green, but I know how he thinks. So I think like I told you the year pick this year. I'm just warning. <laughs> yeah, you. I know. Yeah, I think he's been exactly what this team needed. And I'd like wonder like what would have happened if they hired Willie Green like a year before instead of Stan Van Gundy? Like, where would this team be? Um but in any case, uh this will never happen. But I my opinion it should be something like um Zion and Brandon Ingram, they're definitely there. Herb Jones, definitely there. So you have three locks, in my opinion. So the other two fluctuate. I would like it to be C.J. McCollum and Trey Murphy. Um, just l- lean all the way in on offense. Like, just just lean all the way in. You're spacing them out. Like, the only, like, like non-shooter is Zion. I mean, I guess Herb's, like, not a non-shooter. But at that point, you're spaced out. He has enough lanes to, to right. um, attack. But you could use him as a screener, and, like, teams are going to be screwed. Um and and yeah, just like lean lean all the way in and like 
force teams to keep up with you offensively. Um, and I think there'd be enough switchability on that to like, you know, like, all right, maybe they're not giving up 120 points per 100 possessions on, on defense. Um, that would be my my uh, preferred lineup. I think what's probably going to happen is instead of Trey, they go with Larry to close those minutes. Okay. Um, in in maybe a little bit less offense, but like, I guess more veteranosity. Um, veteranosity. <laughs> I mean, you probably maybe even at this point get more like bankable rim protection from Trey Murphy than Larry Nance, who's like very much a perimeter big at this point. So I kind of I understand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't mind Larry. I'm excited for some of the small ball looks. Um, I'm just a big Trey Murphy guy. I want I want the the team's best shooter. Uh, who is also an enormous wing to be out there with Zion when, when the game really matters. Like, I would love that. Uh, you know, I also I also think there's an argument to be made for for Jonas. Um, and, and I, you know, pe- there's all of this hullabaloo. Like, teams go small. Like, they, you know, like, these, like Jonas type bigs can't close out games. But really, how many teams are going that small? Like, obviously, against the Clippers um, and the Warriors, you have questions. But... Like who else? Who else is like really pushing you to the point where you're like you can't play one of the most offensively talented to bigs? Um, and and I, I think Jonas is a, like where teams yeah. just aren't singling you out as much in attack. Exactly, and I think Jonas is actually underrated defensively. Um, he's had positive defensive impact across three different teams now for the last uh, few years, and and he also provides the, one of the most important things in defense, which is terminating a possession via the rebound he's one of the league's best rebounders and and historically the Pelicans small ball units have struggled on the defensive glass and 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 i can't imagine certainly the lineup i pitched struggling on the defensive glass because there's no like one like tremendous rebounder in, the, in that lineup there's like decent ones but like none, none of them like really stand out uh so i, I think Jonas should get opportunities to close games especially where he's like cooking and there was like there's been games in the past like the clippers try to space him out and he just like brutalized them like Willie stuck with him in, in the closing uh closing lineup and he just was like yep I'm going to him I mean I think it was one of those games where like he hit seven threes uh <laughs> he hit seven threes and they, they chose to write out ride it out with him and he wasn't shooting threes in the fourth when they were closing out but he was like he was making their small look small like he was just like cool like there's an easy like you know they space it out around Jonas they like um early post up pitching him in there and he's just like dropping it in or getting fouled and I, I I think Jonas is very very good, and people don't realize that. <laughs> yeah, he's able to punish even people that are properly sized, let alone that. Are yes, just, yes. Sized. Uh, yeah. What is and you probably don't have a hope for your a weirdo bonkers lineup being rolled out by Willie Green, but if you're Willie Green, what is the quirky out there left field lineup that you that you want to try this season? Oh, you know what? The okay, so the lineup I'd pitch for the closing lineup, but you sub CJ out and put Larry in there, so it's all wings. So it's 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 Trey, Herb, Zion, Brandon, and Larry. Just the six, 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 seven lineup. And then you're like, okay, maybe you have enough rebounding here, but see what happens. Then you switch everything. That would One be wildly interesting. I'd wonder what the offense would look like in that scenario. Uh mine was Zion plus the kids, basically. I want to see oh, Zion. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess Zion's a kid himself. Give me Zion with Dyson, Trey, Herb Jones, and then he's not a kid. But just I'm gonna throw Jose Alvarado in there. Yeah. I don't really know what that does to the stream, but it's Zion plus all these dudes are gonna, you know, whoop ass defensively. And let's just see. Oh, what yeah. Like. yeah, and just just create chaos. Just uh one of the best units two years ago was was when they would have Kyra, Nikhil, Josh Hart, Zion, and Jackson. And it was essentially that Zion plus the kids. And and you look at those lineups like none of those are individually good players except like except for Zion and then like obviously like Josh Hart is like a pretty solid player but those units would demolish other units it was there was like they had like a plus twelve or thirteen net rating and it was because defensively like they were solid they would just fly around as a bunch of athletes and they would generate events and then offensively either they were playing in transition the whole time. Or it's just like Zion's got the ball and you can't do anything about it because these players, like maybe they can't shoot, but they're like all cut so fast. Like there was enough like movement off ball to where like Zion's doing whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see it. I would be shocked. I mean, maybe if like it was a garbage time situation, I guess by age, it'd be Jose Alvarado plus the kids. So if we need to coin it, that lineup. <laughs> uh, as we record this, and I'm a little bit shocked it didn't move after their first preseason game. 
their over under is set at 43.5. Are you smashing the over or the under on that? And where do you Smash think the over? And where do you th- I'm with Smash you. It. But I've been hitting so many overs on these podcasts. I need to go back and look at I have every team winning going like 50 and 32, apparently. Where do you see them standing relative to the west of the uh rest of the West? Dude, I made a bold prediction on, on our pod uh in the know with Mason. I said three seed. And and that's where I had him as as a home court team. I leaned all the way into it. Um now I think if you scale it back on like a real sense, uh I like while I think it's attainable, I think that's like they're like absolute ceiling, more so than than most most likely scenario. I believe it. I think they're gonna hit it. Um but yeah, I mean I think you look at the West. I, I oddly enough, I feel you know the 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 teams that are really solid in the West right now. Golden State, um, I think Denver, especially getting Jamal and, and MPJ back. That's they that's won forty eight games without those two. And I think people are just however you feel about them in the playoffs. That team won forty eight games yeah. with a much shallower and worse supporting cast than Jokic has right now. That's going to be a machine of a team. And then after that, though, you know why I had him at the three seed is because I don't believe in the Suns. I think they're mentally bankrupt at this point. Um, and and I think they're just an implosion waiting to happen. I think they're going to be a solid team. I think they're going to be a good team, but I just don't think they're going to have it this year. Uh, and who's, who knows what's going to happen with Jay Crowder? We'll see. We'll see about that. Um, uh, I, I, I don't believe, obviously, I don't believe in the Lakers. <laughs> Give us the pick. I mean, <laughs> can't. That's, that's your best shot at getting Wemby in New Orleans. Is, is this yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me Wemby. Give me Scoot. Give me any of those players. Um, the Clippers The Clippers are going to be a problem if if Kawhi and Paul George stay healthy. So, like, uh, I think I'll grant the Clippers um, their due. But, again, it's it, that's on paper, right? Like, on paper. Um, I don't believe in the Mavericks this year. I think Brunson was a huge Thank part you. of what they did. Hey, I, there's just – they're going to be so good, but there's an – like – the degree to which they're dependent on Luca now, and I know that they have other options. I know Christian Wood is good. I know it doesn't work this way. I don't think he's good. I don't believe well, it. Prove me wrong, Christian Wood. I th- there's something objectively funny, though, regardless, that they lost Jalen Brunson, a guard, and they picked up two bigs this offseason. Like, didn't even try and, like, fill that. Yeah, it's like you you watched the success you had against the Jazz and the Suns, and you signed JaVel McGee to be your starter? Like, that was your answer? And, yeah. <laughs> I just so there's something funny about that. I don't trust the Grizzlies either, but this is my fourth year not trusting the Grizzlies. I don't trust them because of one Jaron Jackson being hurt, but I also think like Melton and Slomo were were important players regular, for regular season. Yeah, definitely for the and regular they, season, like just generating wins. Like I think it's cool, very cool that they are actively clearing minutes for their younger players. Something I think more teams would commit to um, because that was what raises your ceiling eventually, but. I think that's going to hurt them. I don't think they're going to be the 55 win team that they were. Um, especially if, if Ja plays all these games and it's not fucking Tyus Jones starting. <laughs> yeah. If Tyus Jones is starting, pound the over. Yeah, I feel like they've leaned just not too far. Like you said, it's admirable they did it, but it feels like they leaned into their development at the cost of wins. But this is where we cut to Zaire Williams making the Desmond Bain jump and everything. Being yeah, fine. I, I think you have to. Like, if you're a, a market like Memphis, a market like New Orleans, like, yeah, I mean it's cool. You get you can you can resign slow mo for for another couple of years, or or you can figure out who you have with Jake Laravia or you know David, David Roddy. Roddy. I'm so intrigued by David Roddy. I have no idea who the fuck he's supposed to be as a player. Yeah, love that guy. Play. I think that's going to be fun. So I'm excited to see you know for those players to get opportunities in a winning environment. Um, I think that's that's a good way to handle it for them. But like I said, I don't believe in them for the regular season for that reason. I think they'll be a good team. They'll make the playoffs, just not what they were last year. Um, so who, who, who do we have? We have, you have the Warriors and the Nuggets and the Clippers. I think you said is the team. Yeah. And so like, this is, this is the tier of teams after the Clippers. And I think even with the Clippers, I'd argue is, is where I'd slide the Pelicans in like, okay, like I think they can hang with any of those teams. Um, oh, Minnesota. I think Minnesota's going to be good. I'm a big Minnesota believer. I'm a, I'm a big Minnesota believer in the regular season. And I think the concerns are, are founded, but like overrated a little bit but that's where you start to run into problems i went on mad boosties a quick segment uh you can check it out at nba.com i think it's where it's hosted and i predicted the pelicans are gonna get the four seed i like yeah. actually have them as my five seed but there are like they're just like between minnesota golden state i be- i think phoenix is gonna be a regular season machine again you think so i'm concerned about their bench but just like deandre ayton is gonna be better mikhail cam johnson is as a starter that offense is gonna be potent as hell 
Uh, I think this is the year that maybe based off what they were trying in the preseason, can they get more half court rim pressure from Mikhail Bridges? If Chris Paul, you know, gets old all of a sudden, I, there's will. definitely the potential to implode. <laughs> but I think that they're going to be a regular season machine. Um, but there are six teams in the West. Just and Memphis would make it seven. What? It's it's so fucking hard this year. I don't know if you. I don't understand. believe in the Blazers. Uh, I, I, I don't. They there. have to prove me wrong. Like, yeah, I it, think. Oh wait, you believe in the Blazers? No, I don't. I don't. Oh. They ha- they have to prove me wrong. I like. I think Dame has always obviously dragged a bunch of teams to the playoffs before, but this ain't the same West. And in- I, I have them as like a playing team, and I think yeah. that I really do think Memphis is going to be a playing team this year. Dallas, I think, is going to be a playing team, but like after that, and I don't really. Lakers. I mean, the Kings will fight for the playing. I don't really care about the Lakers until or unless they make a trade. I just can't believe in that. I just why would you? I just it's not Darvin Ham's fault. It's just why why would you? So I don't know, man. Lonnie Walker is going to change everything for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, is there anything else about this team that I did not ask you uh, about that you think needs to be discussed? Man, I think you did a really good job of covering it, and I can't think of uh, something else. Um, let me let me see. Was there? You are higher on them than I am, which I think is like very important to know because people... yeah, but I'm supposed to be right. I'm the I'm the homer, right? so I, I can do this. Well, I I think people think that I'm just batshit out of my mind with how high I am on the Pelican. So it was good to see someone who was like didn't even let me finish, just smash the over. Uh, that's one of my like best bets. If you I don't bet, but that'd be one of my best bets. Forty three point five. I just feel like. How is this not a 46, 47, 48 win team? Unless you think Zion's just not going to play again this year. That's the thing is like, there's no other team that's adding, I guess you could say the Clippers technically with Kawhi, but like a a top 15, top 10 level player. There's just no other team that's adding that talent. That was a playoff team last year. And we'll also care about the, I guess maybe, and we'll also care about the regular season. The Clippers are just very much, I think they'll still win a bunch of games, but what, what gives me pause about their regular season and over under is, they don't give a fuck about the regular season. Like they just, they just don't, <laughs> they care. don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ty, Ty Lue is built for the playoffs. That man is that I respect everything he does. They also have like 14 players that should be getting minutes too. that roster is deep. And so that just makes me think that they might, there'll be a lot of maintenance there, but um, Shemit, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoy these discussions every year. And you give me a bunch of your time, which I'm very appreciative of in case anybody skipped the intro, you're able to tell our listeners where they can find you and all the fantastic work that you're doing. Yeah, you can find me at Fear the Brown, which is my Twitter account, and you can find my work um, at Boot Crew Media. We'll do YouTube videos, podcasts, all the above. Make sure to check out that YouTube channel, which is Boot Crew Media. Um, thank you so much again, and as you know by now, I will be uh, spamming your DMs in the future. <laughs> of course, of course, anytime, man.